This is Culture A Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is a show where we'll deep dive on the good and the bad with Middle East HR and talent experts on their challenges, strategies, and success stories to inspire your own journey. Listen in and get ready to unlock potential and drive results with Culture A. Welcome to Culture A, everyone. Thank you for listening in. On today's show, I have Abe Seksek, who joins me to discuss startups, scaling, and the HR connection. And let me just give you a quick introduction to who Abe is. He's not directly from the HR community, which I know is strange for this podcast, but his extensive experience in scaling startups and driving innovation and co-founding HR software solution companies really does give him a very unique perspective on the challenges and the opportunities that HR professionals face in a very rapidly evolving digital world. His journey from leading operations at major organizations to spearheading HR solutions underscores the intersection of operational excellence and human resources. This episode will definitely give you a very fresh perspective on how HR can drive innovation, scalability, and operational efficiency in any organization. Abe, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. It's always good to see you. It's good to see you too. I haven't seen you in a very long time. Yeah. Abe and I know each other for from a different world. We used to work together back in the day. So it's really nice to have you on. Thank you for having me again. I've heard of a couple of your episodes. Let's hope I add some value to some of your users. I'm sure. I'm sure you're going to add some value. I want to jump into the conversation. Okay. So as I explained, you're not typically from the HR community, but Mm. you've had your hand in the HR world since the start of your career, pretty much. Yes. So you've been at the, the helm of startups and accelerator programs from an HR perspective. Okay. What would you say is the most crucial element in fostering kind of an innovative culture and then scaling it successfully? So from my experience, and let me just tell you, like, uh, either from, like, I started in the corporate life as well, but even in what I do right now with startups is we are always founder driven. So we're always looking for that person that has the right skill set. And the right skill set doesn't mean a certain talent or something, but they have to have a full rounded experience. When you're starting a business, you have to be the HR person. And you have to be the finance person. You have to be all of that. So, but HR and people is such an important part of anybody who's starting up a journey, right? So, so that person needs to be uh, needs to outline their vision. They need to outline exactly, and they need to know their weaknesses and strengths because they need to hire people that address the, those blind spots. Uh, and you see a lot of startups that that fail, and, and and you know it's a part of life, right? People that hire identical copies of themselves, mm-hmm. so they they don't address the elephant in the room. They don't. They hire more people that are in the same uh, wavelength, at least on a wavelength of thinking or the way how they do things. And we see that a lot in our companies. So going back to that conversation, we are really founder led. And when we do some of our investments, when we look for anybody to come in and and the founder led mentality is usually come like good founders come in and they want to know how to build a culture, but they already have an idea what kind of culture they want. So they ask people in other organizations, how do I find these two people that I am really weak in their skill sets, but really match where we need to go. And, and, and managing that is really, really difficult. That's why the startup rate of success is, is low. Now, Obviously, I'm a big startup guy and I love people to get up and, and create as much companies as possible, but that's not all. The winning formula is finding that right culture fit plus addressing 
anything that you need to when it comes to blind spots and making sure that you you cover all these blind spots? So look, I, I wanted to to actually bring this up because you are the person who sees so many startups. You see individuals who are so excited about the, the ideas that they have and they really want to create. And I, I understand the passion that kind of goes behind a lot of these founders and what they're trying to build. And as you said, a lot of them try to hire copies of themselves. How do you consult? Like, how do you, if you feel like that's maybe not the right direction, if they need something that they don't necessarily have themselves that can add value to their organization, do you consult with them on that? So uh, we do sit with like everybody that, especially in our portfolios or our programs to make sure we are like the outside in look on the company. And we say, you haven't addressed this or that issue. So some, sometimes we implement some tools we like we we've like one of the examples i can give you is we worked with a couple of tools that measure culture like a culture amp these softwares that are online what was the other one just to measure the net promoter score of or the health of the culture in in the company and stuff like that and then usually the results a lot of times when the first time we run this it's always surprising uh, especially to the founder because the founder has usually a rosy vision of what's happening and they get shocked about small things like sometimes it's a lack of direction while while the founder is like well i've been very open and communicate but maybe i'm uh, we've actually had had a lot of examples where the founders were maybe too open okay you get what i'm saying like they because they they speak their mind so it confuses people right but he was trying to be transparent yet people they're like no but you told us that you're going this way. And and that is also something that we help a lot of our companies and a lot of our founders saying, yes, it's, it's, you have to be transparent, but with a direction, like, because, you know, some people are not sitting in your room every single day. So they don't know how it, how that conversation led to. So that was one of the things. So there tools do play a big part of it, as well as in my in my past when we uh, we built this ATS, uh, an applicant tracking system called Caval, and now it's called Zen Zen uh, ATS. They rebranded after I left, and and a part of it was because when we were looking at these tools, especially if you look at the big uh, global tools like Workable or Greenhouse or those big ones, there was always in Mina a culture element that these tools were not very culture relevant. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Like when we built ZenHR, we we knew that the visa application in GCC or anywhere in this side of the world was a big part of the recruitment. Sometimes you hire and then they they don't get approved for a visa, right? And so we started building stuff like that. And suddenly we started getting a lot more business because people were very like, it was very relevant to them because they knew this was a part of the process. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And stuff like that. So so tooling became a very important part of everything that we do. We had to make sure that I don't want to waste in my time and effort in, let's say, recruiting this great talent. But we knew that wasn't going to get approval or we didn't have quota at that time or or whatever, you know what I mean? Or they don't meet certain criterias and then we have to get creative hiring them as a consultant or so. And then the third thing, I think, as well with all these startups is because founders don't know laws, labor laws, and like they think, oh, we can get somebody and then after three weeks, we let them go. And I'm like, no, like if you're going to get them that, like hire them as a contractor, hire them as a, like, I mean, right. like the, the tooling, the process, the knowledge is the three things in HR that really helps the founder. 
And then on top of that, you throw the culture layer, it becomes a, a real big task for the founders. And that's why we come in and help them with all of these little things. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Uh, it, it's much more clear, actually, now. Thank you. Okay. You touched on Zen HR. I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, Abe co-founded and was CEO of, of uh, Zen HR is a software solutions company. And the I think the aim behind what I've seen online on, on for Zen HR is that you want to help HR departments reach a state of Zen, which I've, ne- I've never, if I'm honest with you, I've never associated the, the words Zen and HR. Okay. But interesting. Can you kind of, can you help me to understand or can you help our listeners to understand maybe a challenge that you faced in achieving this Zen and how how you overcame it? So, okay. So I'll tell you how the whole Zen thing happened. Okay. Actually. Yeah, tell so, me about Zen. Yeah. Uh, I was a part of a company called Akhtabut.com. Akhtabut.com was, was one of the early job boards in MENA. And I think they're number one in a couple of markets to this day, actually in the smaller markets like Jordan. And, they were and, very strong. They were very, very strong. And they were. And, and then when we, we walked in and we said, listen, what can we do more for HR? And then we spoke to a lot of our clients at that time who were recruiters and HR managers. Keep in mind, a lot of HR back then, it's gotten much better, but back then HR was usually a very uh, weak function in a company because it was just you know, payroll, attendance, like very basic. And then when we started talking to these HR managers, they said, most of our things are on sheets, spreadsheets, paper. So how can we automate that? And we can't afford to go out and buy softwares like the or- like an ERP, like a- an Oracle or a SAP or any of those softwares that were out there. And then we said, you know what, we're going to give you a very... Then we started thinking, okay, we have like 30,000 HR managers on this platform that are using it to post for jobs. How about we build you something just to, to manage your employees? And most of these companies had 10 to 50 employees. So they were okay. small corporations. So then we, every country we landed, we asked them what was the most important thing for them. In the UAE, it was payroll that was either WPS certified because that's the workforce management, I think, protocol. Plus, they wanted a repository of identifications and passports and IDs and because that was important because HR, you know, kept plus producing documents like NOCs and like stuff that are very relevant to this market. Mm -hmm. While Jordan wanted integration with attendance system or very basic stuff like that. So, So we had to build all these things. And then from there, we started coming up with other tools. And so if even if you look at Zen HR, their slogan is is from acquire to retire Mm -hmm. because they use the job board to acquire talent that's integrated directly into our ATS. And then from there, there's a testing solution. And then once they pass, they go into the Zen HR system and then they retire or they Mm -hmm. resign or whatever. So we address the whole really value chain of HR through there with a local first approach of what's happening on the ground in the region. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're only operating, I think, in four or five countries. They say I, I left them five years ago, but I know, I know they're up to a lot of things and they've done a lot of integrations with uh, a lot of the other software. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something that we we really touched on is to really help these small mom and pop shop slash SMEs really build up their HR capacity. And and that's why it was there. And there's a knowledge section where people can ask about the labor law because there's a lot of things there that people don't know. They think HR is just 
paying people and firing and hiring people, right? Right. There's a misconception. Yeah. They don't know about, yeah, it's, it's completely true. And actually one of the reasons I wanted to bring light to the entire HR community through this podcast. Would, would you say that the challenge that you had with Zen HR was the fact that each like geography had a different challenge that you had to address? Because if you were going in and asking them, what can we help you with? Was that it, that it yep. was so different? It, it was, it was. And, and people, everybody had a certain challenge because they wanted to do things the way they've been taught to do it. And then, but, there were, but then we would say, no, no, this is the best practice in your city, in your country. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll give you an example. Like there was, I'm not going to mention the city, that we everywhere mentioned that I would like people to have geofencing on the app. What does that mean? That means they can log in as if that they're working in a certain area. Like I can't log in from home. It'll okay. not let me because you're not technically in the same area or the premise of work or or, or that you submit that you're working from home. But back then the it, work was, for, it was different. It was different, yeah. right? So so we had to make exceptions. So we had to build stuff like that according to, and it's not because one customer told me build this and build it. No, I would have to get, like I speak to 50 customers and like if 30 said well then that means this is a priority right it has to be like a common challenge. yeah and, and yeah. so so and we used to start seeing that a lot like in uae out of the 100 people we surveyed 98 people said it has to be the workforce payroll management certified so that was like the number one priority i think okay. i had the whole team just build that for two weeks until we until we get it up in yeah. there and then they started asking for other things and then different people have different but but also surveying hr people was a challenge because you can't go to the you can't go to any people and say what do you want because either they would say everything or nothing but no, they weren't so it was more like do you like this or do you like that yeah. and, and 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 that's what that's how we swayed the whole conversations right so yeah. and, and believe me like when they started seeing it visually, they're like, oh, no, no, we want this. Yeah, and it was it almost unanimous always mm. to see sort of stuff. Mm. It was a very interesting experience. It was two and a half years of us getting to somewhere very comfortable. We can walk in and say, yeah, we have this. Oh, this is on a pipeline. But we didn't, like, after two years, we stopped hearing weird response, weird, like... Uh, Sorry to normalize a bit. Yeah, like, they're like, <laughs> okay, okay, now I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Especially certain, like, calendars. When we go to Saudi, they don't use this calendar. They use that calendar. And it was, you know, we had some issues with both calendars. But, you know, there was a lot of other stories that, uh, for a later podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see what happens. Okay, let's shift over to Crystal Call. Okay, you led operations there, and you were you were leading operations across multiple cities. Just briefly, can you inform our listeners what Crystal Call is? Okay, so Crystal Call. Well, we started this company in two thousand and seven. It was it's what we call a BPO, an automation company. It's a business process outsourcing, which means we build call centers and data entry centers, plus anything that needs to be automated. And Crystal today has around twenty five hundred employees, okay. so it's not a small organization. Around that, give or take and is actually available in multiple countries. And so I came in as head of operations or the CEO at that time and founder. And what we did was I was in charge of four major things and three of them were HR based. Okay. So I was in charge of HR and recruitment. So that was a big part of 
there's a whole floor, I think, just dedicated to interviewing and in and getting people in and wow. and then there's training. I was in charge of training, so building the content and not only onboarding training, but refreshing training, client training and upskill training because we and I'll tell you something that we did that I thought was one of the major successes at Crystal. We created an internal internship program for people to move from certain departments to another. And it's usually, so it's a it's it's a monster call center, right? Mm. With all the support units. And we would only hire people to come into the call center. And then if they prove themselves over three months, then they, they can apply to this. I called it CAP. At that time, it's Crystal call, Crystal's uh, Accelerated Program. Okay. Where people, let's say, we had a lot of fresh graduates come in with a, like an accounting degree or an IT degree or or some kind of other degree. And then it would say, okay, how about you try accounting for a month? So we'd put them in accounting. Like a rotational program. Yeah, it's a rotational program. And then from there, we would keep an eye on these candidates. And then from there, whenever there would be an opening in accounting, we say, okay, this person did really well. Let's just move them there. And it it gave people a career track. And then obviously also the team leaders, the supervisors, the managers, all were homegrown. So now we didn't have to have that whole learning curve that people needed to learn. So when people were promoted within a, within a week, they were like at a hundred percent. While when you bring people in, it takes you around two to three months to just understand. And who do I go for this issue? And who do I go to that? There's a learning curve. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then the third thing that I was in charge of was quality control, which okay. was another like very big part of the HR. So we had, we had something in the company where we, you can earn up to another three, uh, two to three salaries a year by meeting certain criterias. So if oh, you from were from a performance perspective, from okay. a performance perspective, and okay. because you know the call centers uh, and these automation uh, jobs were very data driven, so we say, oh, okay, Abe, you're in the top ninety percentile of quality. You took this many calls, so you're eligible for another salary after three months and and stuff like that. So, so retention. And attrition were, well, retention was increased and attrition, like the, the global industry standard is around 30% for attrition, for cost. That's it, really it, Because it's, it's a very, people like. It's the nature of the role though. I understand that. It yeah. differs. Yeah. Yeah. And Crystal for the seven years I was there was under 9%. So okay. we were we were doing something right, and uh, but it's, we I was there when they were almost seven eight hundred people. So maybe now the number now has jumped up to like 14 percent. But they're still trying to add more of these programs to keep people in their seats. And it is it's very interesting when you build such programs and you have to keep tweaking them because you really need to keep talking to the people on the ground. Saying yeah, what's working? What's working and what's not? Sometimes. Right. Uh, I've learned something myself is work with your heart, but never trust it kind of thing. Because because if you're in love with such a program, but you know it's not working, you just let it die. It can go, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we had to kill off a couple of things, like certain departments never wanted these people to come in and we stopped fighting it. We just said, you know what, that's... Yeah. Let it die. Let it die. Just let it die. I like yeah. that. That's you know, really so. actually hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 